Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I am Stephen, and today I should be talking to you about the cultivation of the South in Book 2 of the Georgics. This text was written by Publius Virgilius Maro, a Roman poet who lived from 70 to 19 BC. The Georgics is a long, didactic, and pastoral poem teaching farmers how to cultivate their fields, graft and care for trees, care for animals, and work with bees. Book 2 is the section dealing with trees. The passage I am focusing on is Virgil's praise of the rustic life, which is to him better than city life. John Conington mentions the idea that the Georgics were written to revive the agricultural industry in Italy, then he quickly refutes this idea for obvious reasons, I mean, what farmer would read such a long and eloquent poem as this? This context hints at the possibility that Virgil is writing about more than just farming techniques, as I will try to explain. For I believe that this passage is not only talking about the country life, but rather the work ethic involved in country life, and how that work ethic can be applied to cultivating good morals and virtues. For this idea, I will connect this passage to the ending of Voltaire's Candide, as well as a more recent interpretation of this theme, the song The Garden by Rush. Both of these works of art also refer to nature to symbolize cultivating a virtuous life, as does it seem with Virgil in these lines from the Georgics. In order to emphasize the connection between rustic life and a virtuous self, Virgil spends six lines describing the city life and how it is distanced from virtue. Yet this comparison between city folk and country folk makes it seem that the farmers are living in the Golden Age, an age which Virgil specifically states is over. The lives of men are not made rich by the earth without their labor. Virgil claims that it is now the Iron Age and that men must work for the benefits of the earth. However, I aim to express that this description is not meant to describe the Golden Age. Rather, it is, as I said before, a description of how men should cultivate virtue. He only uses the image of farmers to show, one, the labor involved in cultivating the self, and two, the benefits of achieving virtuous peace of mind. First off, if I am to talk about the cultivation of virtue within this work, I need to describe Virgil's Code of Ethics. Virgil, in the Georgics, references another didactic work, called the De Rerum Naturae by Lucretius. In that work, there is a focus on Epicurean philosophy so it is obvious that Virgil would be aware of these ideas. The goal of life for Epicureans was the pursuit of pleasure, but supreme pleasure in their eyes was defined, to quote Charles Smiley, as peace, serenity of mind, and a spirit unperturbed. And for that goal, all other pleasures should be sacrificed. Peace of mind is achieved by the elimination of all the baser emotions, such as anger, hatred, greed, jealousy, envy, and fear. Charles Smiley also points out how Virgil describes the benefits of the Iron Age in Book 1 of the Georgics. Although Jupiter has made the land harsh and difficult to live in, these difficulties sharpen the minds of men. They prevent men from growing dull and lethargic, and, they allow and it allows them to exercise their inventive powers. At the same time, followers of Epicurus are occasionally referred to as followers of the Garden. This title gives the followers of Epicurus a connection to nature. Virgil is aware of Epicureanism, that is sure. Knowing this will help in analyzing the description of this praise of the farmers. From here, I will read the passage in Latin, and then I'll read my own personal English translation section by section, splitting up each section and providing some analysis in between. O fortuna tos nimium suasi bona norint agricolas, quibus ipsa procul discordibus armis, 
fundit humo facalem victum justissima tellus. Oh, farmers are exceedingly fortunate if they know their own good affairs, for whom, far from discordant weapons, the most righteous earth itself pours easy nourishment from the soil. In the beginning of this passage, Virgil essentially says that farmers are fortunate, but they would be exceedingly fortunate if they could recognize how good their situation was. Richard Thomas, a distinguished commentator, says that the use of nimium almost makes fortunatos a superlative. Considering that a superlative is the highest form of an adjective, for example, calling something the best means that nothing surpasses it, Virgil displays here that how close farmers are to becoming the most fortunate. All they would need to do is to recognize their own fortune. Later in Book 2 of the Georgics, Virgil writes, Happy is the person who succeeds in gaining knowledge of the causes of things, and has trampled beneath his feet all forms of fear and pitiless fate in the bedlam of greedy Acheron. Philosophical knowledge is linked to true happiness and the removal of the fear of death. Yet that is not the only Epicurean virtue, so therefore Virgil is perhaps saying that they already have many virtues but are lacking awareness. A similar image is seen at the end of Candide by Voltaire. After Pangloss, who is Candide's philosophizing friend, reflects on all the events of the story and how they have led the two of them to working in a garden at peace, Candide says, quite famously, All that is very well. Now let us cultivate our garden. Candide seems to avoid this reflection and, focus, and he chooses to focus on the cultivation of self to reach a present state of peace, similar to Virgil's rustic farmers. Following this, Virgil begins his description of why farmers are fortunate. First of all, they are far from the clashing of weapons in civil war. This starts the thread of the idea that distance away from masses of people allows for a better life. There is no argument owing men, nor negative intentions held against the man in solitude. This idea is also an important aspect of Epicureanism. The Virgilian Encyclopedia says that the ideal state of the mind is free from disturbance. This idea is seen in the Eclogues, which are pastoral poems also written by Virgil, where he writes, And you do not believe that any of the gods is concerned with mortal affairs. This shows the idea of detachment from petty mortal affairs, which is the state in which we observe the farmers. The idea of the Golden Age is first seen here in how the earth pours out nourishment, but calling the earth Eustissima calls to mind righteousness and virtuousness. Here is the next section, where he describes the life of city folk. Si non ingentem furibus domus alta superbis, mane salutantum totis vomit aedibus undam, Nec varios iniant pulcra testudine postis, in lusas quaro vestis efferia quaira, alba nequasirio fucator lana veneno, nec casia liquidi corrumpitor usus aliwi. Although no high house with haughty gates vomits forth a large wave of visitation early in the morning through the whole house, nor do they stand looking covetously at various doors with beautiful tortoise shell and clothing sported with gold and Corinthian bronze, nor is the white fleece dyed with Assyrian poison, nor is the use of olive oil corrupted with cinnamon. We are welcomed to this section with an image of a high, haughty house. Everything seems unnecessarily large, which goes against the Epicurean idea of simplicity. The wave of people that comes from the entire house shows that in the city there is no time for solitude. The whole house is filled with people, and they arrive mane, which means early, too early to allow any time for personal reflection and betterment. 
In the next line, Virgil uses the word inhion to describe how the farmers are not standing in awe at the beautiful gates. Yet the Oxford Latin Dictionary reveals that this word holds a sense of envy, as if by being around these possessions, men would become covetous, another emotion that Epicurus denounces. Although the description of the possessions of the city folk do sound beautiful, the word pulchra, meaning beautiful, is used here, the beauty takes a sharp turn at the word veneno, which means poison, and we are left with the image of corrupted olive oil. I would argue that this is Virgil's way of comparing the possession of material goods to diluting olive oil with cinnamon. This idea is emphasized by how cinnamon is a bronze color, and Virgil mentions how the city dwellers' clothing is sported with bronze. Yet it is not just their selves which are, their, which are corrupted. It is their uses, their use. Because they are corrupted by material items, because they are envious, because they rely on luxury, it seems they are not as useful to society. And now, we turn to the farmers. At sacura quies et nescia falaruita, dives opum variarat latis fundis, speluncae vivice lacus at frigida tempe, mugitasque boum malesque sub arbore somne, non absunt, illic saltus ac lustra ferarum, et patiens operex siguo quad sueta juventus. Sacra deum sanctique patres extrema per illos, justici excedens teris vestigia fecit. However, composed rest in a life unknowing of deceitful scheme, a life rich in various labors, are not absent from the farmers. However, leisure in wide estates, caves and lively lakes, in a cool, pleasant valley, and the lowing of cows and soft sleep under the trees are all not absent from the farmers. In that place are forests, and the offerings of beasts, and the youth enduring of labor and accustomed to simplicity. Sanctuaries of the gods and respect for the elders are present. Through those ones, justice, departing from the lands, made her final footprints. This section starts with At, which miners, another commentator, believes to introduce an apodosis, a sort of second-best alternative to what was just described. However, I prefer to side with Thomas, who believes Ott tacks as a strong contrast to the previous description, and personally, I believe Virgil means it to be a better alternative. Immediately, we are introduced to the word secura, which I translate as composed, and Thomas translates as without care. While this again would point to the false idea that the Golden Age is still occurring, I believe this word sides well with the Epicurean thought of peace of mind, literally a mind without difficulty. Through this interpretation, the farmers are those who have cultivated virtue and achieved a peaceful state. The connection does not stop there. Following this, we are told that the life of the farmer is unknowing of deceitful schemes. Here I would like to interject and relate this section to the song The Garden by Rush, which I highly recommend you listen to after this podcast. The song relates cultivating a good life to cultivating a garden and mentions a watchmaker who is the head of the city, who is keeping to his schemes. The name of the song even relates directly back to the garden of Epicurus. Considering the two images are similar, I would say that here Virgil claims that one in a peaceful state alone in nature would not be deceitful, nor be deceived. Next is my main argument against Thomas's belief that this section is a deliberate invocation of the Saturnian or Golden Age. Virgil calls the rustic life one which is rich in various labors, as I have translated it. He states that this is a variety of labors, as if it is not only rustic labor. For the labor he speaks of is the cultivation of the self. This statement is immediately followed by the phrase, yet leisure in wide estates. 
Only by laboring to achieve virtue can one achieve otia, which, again, is very similar to the Epicurean idea of peace. Considering this description is followed by the peaceful benefits given to the farmer, it is clearer that the men he discusses are those experiencing peace because of the virtue they have worked on and still work on. The reason they are related to farmers is because farmers labor so much and enjoy the beauty of nature. The connection seems to be nearly perfect in Virgil's eyes. A youth among these, amongst these people is enduring of labor, another example that proves they aren't living in the golden age, and accustomed to simplicity, another connection to Epicurean virtue. We also see here that the virtue of reverence and respect in the sacred shrines, and respect for the elderly. And finally, Virgil leaves us with the best connection between these farmers and virtuous men. Virgil says that justice has left her final vestiges in these people. In the Virgilian Encyclopedia, it is written that the goddess Justice gradually withdraws from the company of human beings, and her final departure begins the Iron Age. Because her footprints are left with these farmers, not only does it show that they alone possess the virtue of justice, but it hints that just perhaps, these men hold the only connection to the Golden Age. If Justice departs from Earth and takes the Golden Age with her, then the vestiges she leaves with the virtuous men must be remnants of the Golden Age. This is why this section seems so disconnected from the harsh labors mentioned in the first section of the Georgics. These men are virtuous, and because they are virtuous, they receive peaceful benefits similar to those given in the Golden Age. Indeed, in the Georgics, there are other farmers who on the one hand succumb to the harshness of the world, or on the other, do not labor enough. These are the men who cannot succeed by bad fortune, or by a lack of moral fortitude, respectively. Now that I have gone through the Latin, I will conclude by summarizing my main points in the context of other scholars. Christine Perkel writes about this passage, Although the term golden is absent from this passage, this idyllic portrait of country life figures in scholars' treatments of the Golden Age, both because its moral quality recalls the Golden Ages of Hesiod and of Georgics I, and also because the passage of the f on the farmer's life that occurs later in this book refers to the life as Saturnian, i.e. the time of Kronos before Jove's Iron Age. I personally would disagree, and as I have mentioned, there is too much in this passage that refers to the Iron Age, such as how justice has left Earth, and the farmers still are doing various labors, to say this is a Golden Age description. If we say the farmers are symbols of virtuous men, we can read this passage as saying that virtuous men, specifically in following the Epicurean Garden, are the closest to achieving the life in the Golden Age. Smolinares offers an idea similar to this. He writes about how labor is used in this description of the Golden Age, and asserts that this synthesis would account for the praise of country life as a paradigm of the happy life of simplicity in contrast with urban life as a symbol of moral corruption. This is the way to achieve the peaceful Golden Age which has fled, by laboring to achieve good moral virtues. Thank you, listener, for taking the time to consider my thoughts on Book 2 of Virgil's Georgics. Although this work was written over 2,000 years ago, I hope that you can take some of the themes and apply them to your own life. Do not cease the pursuit of virtue and a good moral character. And perhaps there is a reason Virgil uses the rustic life to explain this. The natural world is beautiful and peaceful. Go and cultivate your garden.